Welcome to the Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org. As we go through this, we see Jesus. Here's the synagogue official. Comes right in the middle of Jesus' meeting. (laughs) You know, Jesus is... He isn't through with his notes yet, you know, and, 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 and he comes up and he says, if, if you'll lay hand, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring in some of these other gospel accounts of these particular events. Uh, he says, if you lay your hand upon my daughter, she will live. Well, Jesus closes his notes <laughs> and follows Jairus and the disciples follow him. Now, Jairus is operating in faith. He has spoken out of his mouth. If you do this, this will happen. And this faith, our faith, moves heaven. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing and instructed him to do. And so this gets the attention of the Father. The Father gets the attention of Jesus. Jesus closes his notes, and we're off to go lay his hands on Jairus' daughter. Okay, And the crowd follows along. While they're going along, the woman with the issue of blood, we all know this story, she was saying something. And out of her mouth, her faith was being released. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She, was, she had confidence in that action of faith. So she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and Jesus says to her, your faith has made you whole. It wasn't the faith of Jesus. Jesus was not, he was, he was limited in his earthly existence to the knowledge that he possessed as God. He limited himself, so he didn't even know this woman had touched him. He turned around and said, who touched me? Because he was not accessing his eternal, supernatural, all-knowledgeable character He had laid that aside when he came to earth. And so he didn't even know who touched me. So it was this woman's faith. And so he says to her, your faith has made you whole. And then uh, the story goes that this daughter had died. And as he's on the way, the daughter had died or the servant had died. I hope I'm not mixing up. The the daughter had died. And he says to him, only believe. Don't, don't let go of your faith. Jesus is encouraging his faith. Only believe. And then you have the two blind men and Jesus says to them, do you believe that I can do for you? So in all these instances, what was necessary was the ingredient of faith in each one. Because faith is our connection to God. We don't have a connection to God apart from faith. We can't be saved apart from faith. We can't have a a successful Christian life apart from the exercise of our faith. And as I look at all these scriptures and I look at every instance through the scripture, I keep hearing these words, your faith has made you whole, he said to the woman with the issue of blood. The two blind men, do you believe? Blind Bartimaeus hollers out on the side of the road. His faith made him holler out. 
And then, <laughs> when, when he's called to Jesus, he throws aside his cloak. You know, if you're blind, you don't throw aside anything. If you think you're going to come back blind, you've you got to find it. After he heals Barnabas, he says, your faith, again, he says, your faith, it was your faith, you did it, it was your faith that made you whole. Again, through the scripture, the ten lepers that came to Jesus, they were healed, one of them returned to give thanks, he was a Samaritan actually, the one that returned and gave thanks, and Jesus says to him, your faith made you well. In Luke chapter 7, we have the sinful woman who was washing Jesus' feet with her tears, and his response to her was, your faith has saved you. There's a responsibility upon us to believe. That's our connection to God. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So without the continued growth of our faith, we're going to live a substandard Christian existence unable to do the will of God. This is our whole connection. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says, but my righteous one shall live. We got into this by faith, but we are to continue in faith. We are to live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is in the New Testament several times. Now, of course, the biblical definition of faith, we all know it. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the unseen things. Faith is a growing confidence in the truths and the promises that we cannot perceive with our five senses. I was, uh, I was in Venezuela and uh, I was working with a team. And, uh, and in the afternoon, after a morning session, we went to the mall. And uh, there was a pizza place at the mall. And so we, we were all going to get some pizza there. And everybody else's pizza had arrived. And one of the missionaries came up to me and just got to the mall and everybody was eating pizza, and he said, Bill, Bill, where, where's your pizza? I said, didn't you have a pizza? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I got a pizza. And they said, where is it? And I took, took the receipt, and I showed him. This is the evidence <laughs> of something I have not yet seen. This was my key to receiving. And that's what faith is. Faith is is a substance it's a reality that's in your soul that is convinced of invisible things and convinced of what you're going to the promises that you shall receive it is a substance that you know that you know you know that faith right there is what causes us to be able to walk in the spirit and walk with god wouldn't it be great <laughs> i was uh, emptying my suitcase last night and i came across these and I don't know why they were in there. Uh, but, but wouldn't it be great if, if you could have some glasses that you could put on and see everything in this invisible realm that is all around us? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? I know I look foolish. Please don't take any pictures and post on Facebook. <laughs> 
we'd be seeing angels all around us. We'd be seeing the glory of God. And you know what? If you also had some earphones, you could hear what was going on in the spiritual realm. You could hear the voice of God. You could hear the singing angels. You could see all the substance, all the promises, all the realities, all the provision that God has already purchased for you. The things that eyes cannot see and the ear cannot hear that have been prepared for those that love him. And you'd be able to perceive it all. Now, it'd be a lot easier to walk in the spirit, wouldn't it? But you see, we are somewhat bound to our natural five senses. And so we live according to our senses. And those that live according to their senses, the Bible calls us carnal or flesh ruled. Only ruled by what we can see, touch, feel, and taste. That's the way we've lived all our lives. And that's called materialism. See, the, the true definition of materialism is only relating to ma the material world and only responding to the things that can be seen. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And so you and I are called to not only touch this realm, but to live and respond to and draw from a realm that's invisible. And there's only one way to do that, and that's by faith. That's by faith. And so this element of faith is the necessity of faith, not only for your connection to God, but I want to tell you something. It's God's connection to us. Apart from faith, God cannot bring forth His will in the earth. There's a verse of Scripture that's in Psalm 115, verse 16. It says, the heavens, this is where we see this principle, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth, the earth realm, He has assigned, He has delegated to the sons of men. Only those that have earth suits have authority in the earth. And so in order for God's will to be done in the earth, He needs believing, praying, and obedient cooperation with men in order to manifest His will. I want you to see this principle. You see, Adam, who was given the authority of the earth, could give away the authority of earth to a fallen angel apart from God. He had the authority to do that. And he did. And it took God becoming a man to gain it back. And so God took on flesh, and He didn't just take on flesh for 33 years. He took on flesh forever because God made a promise to David that one of His descendants will sit upon the throne and rule the nations on the earth forever. That man, it took only a man can have authority in the earth. And there is a God-man that shall sit upon the throne in Jerusalem for the ages to come and rule all the nations of the earth in fulfillment of the promise that his father has made to him. So you see this principle that it is men that are in authority in the earth. How is it that Moses could pray to God four times 
to spare the nation of Israel. It was because of his position of authority in the earth that he could petition God for his mercy. In Ezekiel chapter 22, uh, the judgment was, uh, judgment was going to fall upon Judah. You see, when there was a covenant, there were uh, terms that were made, and so there was already automatically judgment was going to come to Judah. But it's the will and the heart of our Father to show mercy, to redeem. And he says, I looked for a man who would stand in the gap and appeal to my mercy so that I didn't have to bring down the judgment that was required in that situation. He's looking for a man. And so for the will of God to be done, I tell you, God needs you and he needs your faith. This is the necessity of faith. There are two forces that want manifestation in the earth. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. See, the devil needs you too. He needs my agreement. You know, God uses truth. Here, let, let me just back up and, and show you this in the life of Abraham. When God wanted to bring forth the plan of redemption in the earth, he needed a believer. Okay? He didn't have any. So he, he was going to make a believer out of Abram. So he takes this heathen man and he begins to work on him. Ten times he appears to Abraham, speaks to Abraham. There's a total of ten of these encounters that are recorded in the scripture. And there may have been more. But what he does with Abraham is he starts speaking these wild promises to him. Look north, south, east, and west. Everything you see is going to be yours. He says, I want you to look at the stars and start counting them. That's how many your descendants will be. Now, he's an old man. I mean, these are radical promises that you can't logically see happening. But God keeps speaking these promises into his ear. And he says, ah, look at the dust of the earth. Now, you see, where Abram lived was a very dusty place. You know, the very starry place, too, because we did, he didn't have the electrical lights. He could see stars. And there was plenty of dust where he lived in the Middle East. He said, that's how many of your descendants are going to be. Kings are going to come forth from you. And he keeps saying these things. Keep giving him something to look at and to gaze upon. And then one day, it says, Abraham believed. Ah! God got himself a believer. And he could begin to bring forth the redemption to the earth. To bring forth his son. Why? Because he had somebody on the earth that was in agreement with his, agreement with his will, that believes him. And that's what God's looking for today. His eyes go to and fro throughout the earth. What's he looking for? He's looking for some believers. He's looking for some faith. God wants to do more in the earth than we can imagine. You see, and so that's what he does. He speaks his truth that we might believe his promises, that we might believe what he says and what his word says about this invisible realm. You see, your authority is an invisible thing. Your forgiveness is an invisible thing. God is an invisible deity. 
Angels are invested. We believe in this entire realm, but it takes faith to connect with it. It takes faith to receive from it. Faith. I'm, I'm trying to emphasize the necessity of faith. Has anybody picked this up yet? See, and this is an exhortation to all of us because we happen to live in a natural world that tends to reduce us to carnality, to only operating according to what we can see, according to what we can feel. You see, I was thinking this morning during worship, uh, you know, what ministered to me during worship was this, where two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. And it was dawning, in my mind I was saying, I don't feel it. I don't see him. Nor do I see the entourage of angels that's with him. But I choose to believe that in this room and in our gathering, there is Jesus Christ, the healer, the miracle worker. He's here. He's the prince of peace. He's the peace giver. He's everything that I need. And he's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here here right now. That's my faith that says that because I don't see him. I don't feel him. You see, sometimes in worship, we're waiting for a feeling, a crescendo of the music to come through the room in order to get me activated. That just helps our... I shouldn't say that, you know, music is a powerful, wonderful thing God has given to us, and it's a biblical thing, and the choirs and everything else, but you don't need it. Your faith can acknowledge and step into the presence of God with a decision. See, we've lived so long according to our emotion, so long according to our sight, we tend to shrink back in our faith. And so, That's why we have this exhortation, I think it's four times in the scripture, that the just, the righteous shall live by his faith. And and he who shrinks back, my soul, has no pleasure. See, it's faith that pleases him. And so when I begin to operate according to this manual of unseen things, This is a manual of who you are in the spirit. What you look, believe it or not, uh, brother, (laughs) you look good in the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, 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 you're welcome. And and this is a mirror. The Bible says, uh, you know, James says it's like the word of God. It's like a mirror. And and it's not a mirror just to show you what you look like on the outside. But what you are in the spirit, a new creature in God. I mean, I look pretty good. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm an overcomer. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I am the apple of God's eye. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Victory is something that I have been placed. That's my status. That's who I am in the spirit. I know it's all invisible. I know you can't see you know, that I'm as holy as Jesus. But yeah, I have been given the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says, when you close the book, don't forget, don't walk away and forget what manner of man you really are. Don't let the visible world pull you back down to thinking you're a loser 
And don't let the enemy bring his lies. You see, God uses truth. He uses those promises. Speaking to Abraham. And and faith comes by hearing. By our encounter with God. By what we see. The communications of heaven do something on the inside of us. But I'm going to tell you something. So do the lies of the devil. So he comes with his truth, which is not truth at all. And what he says is, yeah, you're, you're quite the loser, aren't you? And he'll, he'll list off all your failures in life. And, and he'll, he'll try to give you a picture of, of who you are that's not the truth. Now, if I accept that, if that's what fills my mind, and then if it starts coming out of my mouth, so you've been hooked. That's where the power of that's released, is what's coming out of your mouth. So this, this, it's our connection to God. It's God's connection to us that the will of God might be done in the earth. He needs faith in the earth. He's looking for faith in the earth. And the release of this faith, Jesus taught it to us. One of the best descriptions of this principle of faith, Jesus teaches us in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. I think most of us in here know it. Uh, Let's see if you... Oh, we got an outline. This is good. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever... I want you to take note of how many times something the word says or said is in here whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says jesus is teaching us how faith works one of the ways that we release our faith is what we are saying And what we are saying is a result of what has filled our hearts. See, (laughs) after Abram became a believer, God changed his name. He was no longer Abram, but he was Abraham. Abraham, translated, it means this, father of many nations. And so (laughs) one of the things that God put in Abraham's mouth was a new name. And so now when he introduces himself, he says, Hello, I'm a father of a multitude of nations. Hello, I'm a father of a multitude of nations. And the will of God was being released out of his mouth into the earth. You see, this is why God brought prophets. To put his truth, his word, his predictions in somebody's mouth in the earth. So that he could bring it to pass. He needed somebody to speak his word. He needs somebody to agree with an unseen reality. He needs someone to believe and speak out the will of God so it can come to pass. And that's what he did with Abraham. He put his will in his mouth. I love it. See, this is what makes tongues so powerful. We have the Holy Spirit revealing to us the promises of God, bringing revelation, bringing visions, speaking to us the things to come. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be the revealer of truth, will disclose to you the things to come. He will reveal the truth to you. And then God gives us a gift of a supernatural language, 
we are, we are speaking perfectly the will of God into our lives and into the world. How powerful is that? I think we should be praying in tongues more. Speaking the will of God into the earth more. So faith is released with our words. That's a big one. Let me catch up to my notes. Our words release spiritual forces. What did God do in Genesis chapter 1? He spoke. And it was creative power in His words. Now you and I have been created in the likeness and the image of God. And so there is a measure of creative power in our words. See, when... when uh, <laughs> what brought on this whole teaching about faith that Jesus gave to His disciples, and you know the story, the day before, He was standing on the side of the road talking to a tree. He was talking to a fig tree. And, you know, John says to Peter, you know, what's, what's he doing over there? I don't know, he's having a conversation over there on the side of the road. He's talking to this tree. Now the Bible says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Blessing and cursing, right here. Death! Ah, there's death in there, but there's life in there. Jesus that day was speaking death. You sorry tree. You ever talk that way to your garden? <laughs> We've learned in our house, when she's out there and she says, I don't know what's wrong with these plants. I said, honey, speak life to them. Don't speak death. They're paying attention. Creation is paying attention. Your words are releasing spiritual forces. Heaven is waiting for what you've got to say. Whose words are you going to agree with? Are you going to agree with lies of the enemy? Or are you going to agree with the truth of an invisible realm that you speak it forth into the earth that it might come to pass? Jesus said you'll have what you believe in your heart and what you say. Jesus believed that he had life and death in his tongues because not only did he curse that fig tree and it withered and died, he also spoke life to dead bodies like Lazarus. And he knew his words would bring a dead man to life. You know, we've been commanded to raise the dead. You know that. Just thought I'd challenge your faith here. You know what? We live so far below, really, God's highest ideal for the new creature. We still live naturally by what we see and by what we feel. Now, how can I live on a higher realm? How can I do that? Well, we don't have glasses. Be nice, wouldn't it? It would be real nice. But we've got this. And when I get my mind saturated with this, I start thinking like God thinks. I start seeing the promises, the radical amazing promises God is making to me. And when the truth of these unseen things supersedes what my eyes can see and what my ears are hearing from the devil, you see, 
You're, you're, then, you're, then you're walking in the Spirit. You're walking as a new creature. You're walking in the will of God. You're walking with the uh, abundance of heaven flowing to you. We live so far below our privileges, so far below our authority. You know, I listen to some Christians pray. I just say, in my heart, I'm saying, don't pray around it. Don't pray the problem. Speak to the thing. Use your authority and say, be healed. We're not supposed to ask God, oh God, oh, oh, please come down and heal him. No, Jesus said to us, you heal the sick, you fix it, step up into the place of authority that I've given to you in my name. I went to the cross so you can have it. So I'm prodding you (laughs) to be a people of faith as we step into a new season to be exercising our faith, to be speaking our faith. And, and not only is it our words that release the faith of God, it is our actions of faith and our obedience that release the will of God in the earth. Now, as I go through the scriptures, I see this principle at work. Uh, when, when the Israelites came to Jericho, it was a walled city. I mean, it was, you know, they weren't seasoned warriors, okay, when they showed up at Jericho. They needed a miracle. <laughs> they, they needed those walls to fall. Uh, and, and God, he could have just thought away all the enemies of Israel. That's what he could have done. That's not how he did it. There was something for men to do. He needed the partnership and the cooperation of men in the earth. And apart from the obedience of men, it can't be manifest. They were called to march and shout. Right? What if they had not obeyed to march and shout? Would there have been a victory manifest that day over his enemies? No. So there's two parts to every miracle. There's God's part, and boy, he's ready. Thy kingdom come. He wants his kingdom to come. But he needs us to do our part in being in agreement with that, letting our petition be that, and exercising the authority that we have been given in Christ. When, and so it was this act, their actions of obedience that released from heaven a victory that day in Jericho. Take the ten lepers. The ten lepers, they cried out, to, to, to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus says to them, go show yourself to the priests, which was part of the, 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 the protocol of the law that a leper had to do. And it says, as they went, as they obeyed the word of the Lord, you know, they, they were still leprous. See, after the leprosy is gone, they needed to be examined by the priest and it confirmed that they were healed. Well, they were still leprous. And he said, now, go, show yourself to the priest. Well, there was an action of faith that they were to take. Go to the priest. But wait a minute, I still got leprosy. Go to the priest is the word of the Lord. And as they obeyed, that's when the power of God was released. Boom, all ten of them were healed. When they took their action of a faith and obedience. There's a man with a withered hand in the synagogue, in the synagogue. And 
Jesus says to him, stretch it forth. And when he responded to the word of the Lord, that was the release point. (laughs) See, God is looking for a release point. I give him that release point in my life with my confession, with my actions of obedience and faith. (laughs) God's got a runway to get in the earth. And so he's looking for faith. You know, Jesus said, uh, when I, re- when I return, will I find faith in the earth? He's looking for something. He said this to a couple other people. I've not found such faith in all of Israel. He said to some Gentiles. Why? He's looking. There were four men that got up on a roof to let down a, a paralytic through the roof of the house. Jesus didn't yell at him. Jesus didn't say anything. He looked up and he saw something. He saw their faith evident by their action and said, my son, your sins are forgiven. He accessed. See, it wasn't just these four guys faith. It was this man's faith, too. He said, your sins are forgiven. Why? He was exercising faith. He was probably in charge of that operation. Hey, I need you four guys to get me to Jesus. And you know what? He obtained with his faith the invisible reality of forgiveness and healing for his life because of his faith. And Jesus says to him, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Faith is a necessary element, released by our actions as well, by our obedience. It was the blind man crying out on the side of the road. <laughs> There's, you got when you got to look at all these miracles. There's a couple of them that just amazed me. Blind Bartimaeus, for one. Blind Barmaeus crying out on the side of the road. They bring him to the Lord. He's blind. Okay? He's blind. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a blind man? It's not a pretty sight. It's, it's, it's obvious to see a blind man. And Jesus, you know what Jesus says to him? <clears throat> what do you want me to do for you? Duh. Hello. What's he looking for? He's looking for some faith on this end so that he can meet that faith. God's waiting for us to say a few things, to decree a few things, to petition a few things. Why? He's looking for faith. Blind man, another blind man. Before Jesus, Jesus smears mud in his eyes. I don't know, he may have had hollow, he may have not even had eyeballs. Jesus takes mud, fills up those cavities with mud. He's creating again, just like he did with Adam. Taking taking the dust of the earth, sticks it in his eyes, and then Jesus leaves. He's all done. Now that blind man's still blind. He, you know, his response could be, oh man, I went to that crusade meeting and man, you know, he, Jesus himself prayed for me and, I, and all I got is mud in my face. I'm still blind. Now there was something for him to do. The word of the Lord was go wash. And so he had to crawl across town and find the pool he was supposed to wash in. And when he took that action of obedience, 
That's the release point of the power of God. So when you obey, when you give, what you're doing is you're setting off spiritual forces on your behalf. When you forgive, you're setting up, you're, you're obeying the Lord to forgive 70 times 7. And when you forgive, grace is not only released to the people and mercy released to the people that have offended you, it's released to you. This invisible thing called grace and favor gets released to you because you've obeyed. But if you hold on to bitterness, you hold on to offense, heaven is handcuffed. Angels are standing around unemployed. They're waiting. Waiting for my obedience. Waiting for my actions of faith. So when these priests stepped into the River Jordan, that action of faith released heaven into the earth for them to advance. So we see that our words release the power of God, the manifestation of God, just like for the devil. The devil wants to manifest in the earth, so he's going he's to bring just an accusation to, to your mind. Oh, uh, you know, that's Susan Otten. She just thinks she's something. I'll tell you, she's just, I don't like how she does that. And then when you go to somebody else, and out of your mouth, now the devil has your tongue, and you become the accuser. You become in agreement with the devil for the manifestation of confusion, when the manifestation of death to come into the earth. We got to see what's going on spiritually here with our mouths. We've got to see what's going on spiritually with our actions of obedience, our participation, what we do, the choices we make with our will. All of this has spiritual implication. Now, I'm saying this in light of we're stepping into a new day. Our words will make a difference for this area. Our actions... Our obedience, our commitment, our devotion, all these things matter. Because you want the will of God to happen in this area, don't you? Not as much as God does. So what's God looking for? There's things He's going to ask of our hearts. There's things, there's promises He's going to make to us. There's words He's got to say to us as a body if we can hear them and obey them. And if there is a people ready to obey, ready to respond, ready to sacrifice, ready to give, God can then release that word into the earth. I'm liking this message. Matter of fact, I'm going to go home and give myself an offering. I'm just, <laughs> that'd be all right. You get it to me? All right. Oh, I should just continue on. There's so many more illustrations of how our actions of faith release. It's the release point. You see how you, how you got born again? You believed in your heart the truth that Jesus was the Son of God. You believed it in your heart. But it wasn't complete until you confessed with your mouth or you walked an aisle when you took that action, that's when the power of God was released, and you were translated out 
of the realm of darkness into the kingdom of God. That was the release point. Bam! Release point. Manifestation of God in the earth. Your obedience brings it. When I lay hands on the sick, there's a manifestation of healing that comes into somebody's body. It's these actions of faith that I've been commanded to do. Now, having said that, when you take an action of faith, when you are in obedience, there is a release of the manifestation of heaven in the church, in your life, in your world. What that does is that pushes out the kingdom, should say the realm, the influence of darkness. You see, where there is sickness, we bring health. Where there is confusion, the Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So the coming of the kingdom drives out unrighteousness, wickedness, confusion, and sorrow. We displace it much like light displaces the darkness. Eh? When you turn on that flashlight, darkness has to move back. When you flip on these lights, the shadows depart. Now, spiritually speaking, when there is a manifestation of God's truth, God's realm coming into this one, it pushes back the authority and the works of darkness. Now, the devil doesn't take that too kindly. I just want you to know. If you're in a spiritual fight, you started it. Okay? Now, here's the devil's tactics to keep us from being the obedient, faith-talking people we should be. Is there is a well, first of all, there's a there's a carnal warfare our own minds, you know, the carnal mind wars against the things of the Spirit. But there is a demonic warfare that he wages of discouragement. Have you faced any of that? Yeah. You're, you're trying to operate in God, and he wants to come and say, sit down and shut, up. Down and shut up. Nobody cares about you, Susan. They're just waiting on that next. Who do you think you are? You're, not, you're just a woman. You know, many pastors, they want to resign every Monday morning. Why? Because waves of doubt and unbelief suffocate them on Monday morning. Why? Getting, trying to get them to shut up. Stop acting in faith and just, you know, he wants to do this to all of us. You know, he, he brings lies, fear, discouragement to try to get us to back down and just, just be nice Christians. With, you know, with your Bible on your lap and let the pastor do his thing and we'll just pay him. And, and he wants to seduce the church into passivity and compromise. He's pretty good at it. Why? Because these actions of obedience and these actions of faith threaten his realm. Whenever you have a, a, an action that you want to take in God in obedience to God... It's seen as an act of war by your enemy. See, he, he, what, I mean, you know, give me an example. I've been laying hands on the sick since I was 18 years old. I've seen thousands of instantaneous healings of blindness, deaf ears opening, cripples walking, a retarded boy in um, Ecuador made whole. I have seen the invisible 
provision of God come into this realm as a result of faith environments that we have operated in. But still, all these years later, when it comes time to pray for somebody, I've got to push through a wave of lies and doubt and discouragement that want to come. Uh, you know, you hear this, oh, this is never going to work. You know, you're, you're not anointed today. You, you, you kicked the dog, you know, or you kicked your wife and yelled at the dog, one of the two, you know. You know, you just haven't got it today. And besides, you know, it's not going to work for you. Who do you think you are? You're divorced. You know, you, you know God can't use you. And, and this wave of unbelief begins to hit you. Why? To back you off of your action of faith. To back you off from responding to what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to do through you. And He needs, he needs a warm donkey in the earth. He needs somebody to obey. Who's going to obey Him? Who will step out and get through their fears and through their doubts and take an action for me? Or will the devil seduce you into... Nice Christianity. I'm going to tell you something. You know, and you can even gain, you can go to Bible school, backslide. I mean, you can gain all the knowledge of the scriptures you want, but the devil is not threatened by the amount of knowledge you have in the scripture. That's not what threatens him. What threatens him is if you become a doer of it. That's when all hell gets stirred up. And that's when they're afraid of you when you begin to operate in your authority. And so I say all this to say there's a spiritual war going on. There are lies flying at you and there's the truth of God. And what fills your heart is what you're going to speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just like David got a promise... Yet he was going to be the next king. And this became so big inside of him when he stood in front of Goliath, he was moved by the fact that he was going to be the next king and he, be, and he acted kingly. He was doing what Saul should have done. Step up to bat. But the soldiers had been looking at Goliath for 40 days. And for 40 days, they had been seeing this giant. They had been seeing this, the weight and the size of his armor. There's this full description of Goliath. And for 40 days, that's what these guys were gazing at and looking at. And they were listening to what he was saying for 40 days. You bunch of sorry Israelites. I'm the one that captured the Ark of the Covenant. Who do you think you are to come against me, the great warrior, and you're just the servants of Saul. It's a lie. They weren't just the servants of Saul. They were the armies of the living God. David had the truth. Who is he to taunt the armies of the living God? David was in the truth. And so David acted in his authority. David acted as a king that day. And the others were bound in their fears. So what fills your heart? What fills your heart? What are you gazing at? What are you listening to? That determines your faith. So if this, like, here's what God said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Got it? But you shall 
meditated day and night. So this is what's filling his heart. This is what's filling his mouth. In order that you may observe to do it. Action was the result of what filled his heart and filled his mouth. And thus you shall have good success. Christian, what are you gazing at? What are you listening to? Well, we have been given a Holy Spirit that speaks truth to us, that brings visions to us. We have, a, we have the Scriptures that give us the radical, amazing promises of God. A manual of an unseen world that we can walk with. What are you choosing to look at? What are you choosing to listen to? And so whatever you listen to and gaze at the most, that's what fills your heart, and that will be the level of your faith. Accept this challenge? So, I've got to land this. <clears throat> but I would say this to Christian Renewal Church. I'm no longer going to be a fill-in preacher here. Maybe from time to time. Uh, Caleb's a coming. <laughs> okay, and he's got some good word in his mouth. But I would say this to this house. To become those that exercise your muscles of faith Persist in the principles of faith. Make a decision in your, in your heart that this book is going to be the number one book in your life and what you listen to and what you gaze upon is going to go to another level. Why? So our faith can go to another level. Why? So the manifestation of God's will can be happening in our midst. Will you accept the challenge to be that people of faith? To persist in faith? To stir up your faith? To dust off your faith? Whatever it takes. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon. Be sure to visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources.